Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. And the more righteous... What's going on, man? Hey, doing well. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for joining us on the podcast for Virginia United. I appreciate it. I uh, just want to ad- ad- introduce you. Um, this is David, who also goes by the Red Pill News Report. Um, his Instagram tag name is Red News, uh, or excuse me, Red Pill News Report. And uh, you're at uh, www.rhinostopper.com, correct? Yeah, that's my email list. Also, uh, Red Pill News on YouTube, thinkredpill.com. Okay, excellent. And and it looks like you've you've kind of amassed quite a, a following on Instagram, too. You've got over 234,000 followers. Yeah, I've had fun with it. I've had some good advice along the way on uh, what, what people are looking for and how to engage an audience. It's been fun. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's you're, you're doing better than I am. I'll just put it that way when it comes to... Uh, at least on Instagram. <laughs> so that's good. I, I think that's uh, it's, it's good that you're getting, you know, obviously you're, you're a digital creator and you're getting, you know, the word out on, you know, different affairs that are going on within our country. Um, but what do you primarily focus on? I mean, are, are you, do you focus more on, you know, memes or do you focus more on, on, you know, the, the, the media or propaganda or, or, or kind of a, a combination of everything? Absolutely. So primarily it has been memes on Instagram and on YouTube with shorts as well. Memes are the propaganda busting universal language. Humor is something that destroys fake news very well. I do some long form content. I'm doing more of that. It's more time consuming to do it well, but primarily for now it's, it's been short form content, less than 60 seconds memes. Right. Well, I mean, that's probably a good way to, to at least, you know, captivate the audience without without losing them. They can stay engaged and, and whatnot. Um, but just remember, in in today's you know uh, age, and we're, we're living in a, a society where you can literally get arrested over memes now. I don't know if you heard about that gentleman that was arrested over that meme that he made from uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, and supposedly it was interference uh, of the election or election interference. Um, so you got to be careful nowadays. Yeah, you do. I I did see that. That was um, it. Did look pretty similar to an election piece of advertisement, though. So I I feel bad for him, but I would never go in that realm where where he went. I'm sure though that the it's not being prosecuted fairly. If it was someone who did that with a Trump election ad, that it would not be prosecuted. It's not fair, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's what's really crazy about it is, is this this guy was, you know, you could clearly tell that he was trolling. And in and, and the meme, there's, you know, the, the, the there's literally a person wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> OK, so it's like it's so so basically the the the, the whole spiel was uh, Hillary Clinton says that it was it was, uh, you know, um, election interference and it's just a meme of this guy wearing a, a MAGA hat telling people where to vote at and it was giving the wrong information on on voting you know at a poll and so there there have been people that have researched this and they found that you know out of all of the people that and he actually had a, a phone number to text out of all the people that actually texted this um this this number that that this and this gentleman gave out None of none of that actually impacted the actual uh, election in any way, shape or form when it came to actually, you know, the the polls being uh, impacted at all. So, you know, it's really crazy that this is this is a type of a political attack that's going on currently, you know, in our our country. And it's it's extremely um, concerning. But that's the times that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, political weaponization is the the fall of a republic and it's happening right now no the, the meme i saw was you can text to vote 
for Hillary. You don't have to go to the polls. And that seemed a bit more deceptive. But maybe I seen something else. Maybe there's multiple memes or multiple stories. But uh, yeah, man, it's so scary. This the Alvin Bragg, New York things that's happening with Trump. This is literally the fall of a republic. And they're just heading the the Trump derangement syndrome is so strong that they will do anything and violate all the rules of civil society to stop this man from being president again. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, regardless of however, you know, the, the audience, whoever you may be, um, feel about Trump, uh, it is concerning that this, this type of, you know, uh, political warfare technically is going on. We, we, we've literally, um, you know, we're utilizing like the Department of Justice, the DOJ, as 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 like kind of a, a, a Gestapo as far as you know, we're, we're we're utilizing these types of tactics in order to go after our political opponents, and and that's unheard of. That doesn't happen in a in a supposedly free you know free democracy, um, you know, which our country is is founded or supposed to be founded on. And so the fact that we've got this weaponizing of you know of of po- political power. Um, it doesn't just directly impact individuals that are in the upper echelon, you know, such as our, our previous president. I mean, this this trickles down all the way to to us as well. And it's it's scary. You know, when you have a man, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard about that, that that pastor that uh, yeah. went, went to the um, the abortion clinic and prayed out front and protested. He literally got raided by the FBI. I mean. You know, uh, James O'Keefe was was raided by the F- FBI for having a, you know, at the time supposed and now we know it was true diary of of, um, you know, jo- Joe Biden's daughter. And uh, and he gave it up. He didn't even report on it. You know, but but the, the FBI is being weaponized to attack political um, uh, opponents of, of, of opposition. And, and so what we're seeing is this is this is happening all over. It's not just. Those individuals, I mean, this happened with Trump, happened with James O'Keefe, happened with this pastor. I mean, it's going on all over the place. And, you know, it's really concerning because this is like a banana republic. And uh, and that's not what America is supposed to be. Yeah, it's, it's very problematic. And the opposite of that is true as well. You have the decision to overturn Roe, the protesters. There was a memo specifically telling the marshals who were guarding the homes of Supreme Court justices, do everything in your power to not make an arrest, to not enforce United States federal code that states it is a crime to obstruct the process of justice, of making laws, of making judicial rulings. They were specifically instructed, don't make arrests unless you have to let these people protest as much as they want in the homes and the private neighborhoods of these Supreme Court justices to apply political pressure in the hopes that they would not have turned overturned Roe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just this kind of stuff. I mean, if, if the roles were reversed here, uh, you would never hear the end of it in the media. It'd be the end of, end of our democracy, as you know it. That's what we were told about January 6th. And, you know, it, it was worse than 9-11. It was worse than literally I, I remember Joe Biden comparing it to 9-11. And, and if I remember correctly as well, uh, I, I can't remember if it was um, Jin Psaki or maybe it was Corinne uh, uh, Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, the current press secretary. But one of them compared it and went as far to say that it, it was not only worse than than 9-11, but they also compared it to Pearl Harbor and. I think I'm that just, was Kamala. Okay, oh, maybe. Man. Okay, it was Kamala. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's insane. This kind of stuff that that's happening and, and it's being promulgated by our people, uh, people that are in positions of power that have a very high, um, you know, influential, uh, just just output on everything. You know, these are the people that other people are looking up to constantly. These are supposedly the leaders of of the free world, and here we are. We're seeing this divisive rhetoric and narrative that's literally causing societal segregation within our our country i mean you you look at the media now uh you know last week the most recent thing is chicago and the riots that are going on there with these teenagers that are you know literally just they're targeting caucasians they're 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 targeting white people but then the media is literally just saying well yeah it's just teenagers you're just you know strolling around they're just trying to enjoy their days and and the new 
Chicago uh, mayor elect is defending this type of person, you know, this this type of 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 nonsense that's going on. And all while, you know, other people are suffering because of it and they're just writing it off. And it's just not even big deal. Last week there was a shooting. Um, You know, there are two 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 media like major media uh, uh, shootings recently. Uh, one of which was an elderly 80 year old. I'm assuming the guy was probably senile shot this this teenage boy that was knocking on his door at 10 o'clock at night that was supposedly looking for his his, his uh, siblings and didn't kill the guy, but but shot him and the boy was black. And the media is blowing this up as our country is full of white supremacists and, you know, we're all racist and, and white privilege and, and, you know, all of this stuff as far as you know, the whites are against the blacks and we're out to get and they're all out to get them. But then in the same the same news cycle, there's a blip of a, of a black man who shoots a white guy. And it's it's literally not even mentioned what his ethnicity is in the article. Um, and you don't find out about it until you actually do a little bit more research and find out from the photos in the article that it was a black man. And so you're seeing this target. Um, literally, if you're if you're a white person, it's, it's, it's as if you've got a target on your back right now, and uh, that's that's highly concerning. But I think all of this ties into, and some of this started with ESG, and I know that you know ESG as far as you know environmental, social, uh, and governance has kind of trickled into this this narrative. Um, you know probably a little bit more about ESG. It's something probably you're a little bit more familiar with than I am. But from what I've you know done the research on, when it comes to ESG, it's not good. Yeah, absolutely. And and to to lead up to the the goal of ESG, the principles of ESG and what we're seeing in society right now, it it's a classic maneuver to overthrow a society by supporting the weaker unjust cause of anarchy of this false narrative of systemic white supremacy that it's widespread that's everywhere through every cultural facet in America, uh, supporting the weaker narrative, the media and the government supporting that at the expense of the majority. And that's how our government has done that in past centuries to overthrow other government. It's, I, I call it cultural Marxism and, and ESG cannot have a one country being the global power that you can't have a globalist system and have one country be a leader. So in, in, in order to stop that we'll, with America, with our constitution, the only way they can prevent us from being that global power is from the inside, is cultural erosion and literally our values, uh, tying it into Anheuser-Busch, this protest right now, ESG, BlackRock, Vanguard, the World Economic Forum, they want to get rid of alcohol, and it looks like a win in the media for us for, you know, get woke, go broke. It's something that is stated a lot, and it it is fun to celebrate, at least on the face, these, these failures of these woke companies. But Disney, for example, they're doing better than ever. Nobody's, honestly, nobody is canceling their Disney Plus. They're still getting Mickey Mouse t-shirts. They're still going to the Disney theme parks. And unfortunately, environmental social governance, it is a conglomerate that has so much money. I think it has like eight, maybe maybe more than that. I know it's in the tens of trillions of dollars or close to tens of trillions. So much money towards the destruction of American values, a destruction of American energy, and just the the social part the s it's a violation of title 7 employee mm-hmm. rights the civil rights act of 1964 uh the america first legal foundation is suing anheuser bush for their hiring practices that are violating the civil rights act by hiring people on the basis of race sex national origin all of those uh categories but it's just it's a lot. There's there's so much going on. That's the money's behind it. There's so much money behind this evil agenda. Yeah. The, the, what's <clears throat> so I'm looking at a pie chart of 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 ESG and what what each you know what what it stands for. And I'm looking at you know the environment where it says 
biodiversity loss, climate change, renewable energy, reduced carbon emissions, and so forth and so on. And then G, uh, or excuse me, S is for you know, diversity, inclusion, race, gender, human rights, modern slavery, <laughs> supply chains, anti-discrimination, and so forth and so on. And then G is, you know, governance for risk mitigation and shareholder activism, anti-bribery, corruption, and so forth and so on. But <clears throat> what it seems to, to me is what's occurring here, um, and, and, and I'll pause on that for a second. With the Budweiser and Disney thing, uh, the problem, in, in my opinion, is that what happens is that we have so many different things hitting us at once that we it's easy to forget and lose track. So what we should do is put emphasis. If there's a country, I mean, excuse me, if there's a, a company that hates our values, which a lot of these woke companies that they do, they hate the average U.S. you know American consumer. They hate your values, and yeah. if and, and unfortunately, some of them are so big that it's very hard to to tear away from it. I mean, for example, um, you know, Amazon, there are so many people that that literally order from Amazon every single day and they are are reliant on a lot of the aspects of their life from Amazon and they don't know any other any other way. So what do they do? And, and, and so it ties into that, but also it ties into the fact that we have very short memories uh, when it comes to things that happen because of the news cycle constantly changing. So it's easy to be mad at a company for a while. I mean, look, Anheuser-Busch, they, they took a $5 billion hit, um, you know, to, to, to their market cap because of, of this. And, uh, you know, sure, $5 billion for, for somebody like me, that's a lot of money. But to them, eh, it's, it's a walk in the park. It's, 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 a bad, it's a bad month, big deal. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll gain it back and people will eventually forget about it. And that's the, a big problem. But but going back to the ESG, what it seems to me that that's occurring is that we're looking at this, you know, this uh, inclusion and, and diversity. And with inclusion and diversity, we're getting a, a quantity aspect, but we're not getting a quality aspect. And this is trickling into all aspects or all facets of our country, whether it be, you know, positions in, of power in government. Um, whether it be policies, whether it be, you know, individual applicants, whether it be teachers or workers all the way down to, you know, your, your Joe Blow that, that works, at, at, you know, at Amazon or whatever it may be. But we're suffering in the quality department here. And uh, and that's a big problem, too. And, and, and my big question to this is, what is the end game here? Why, you know, our upper echelon, our, our elitists, our oligarchs, why? bring this upon the public unless they're trying to do this is a theory but one of two things they either are trying to eradicate completely the middle class or they want a country so divided that they can easily step in and say we're the government we can fix everything and then everyone relies on them or maybe it's both yeah it could be both you know it is a puzzle to me why the people who are in charge of the country the, the deep state, the intelligence agencies allow for such division. The only thing that makes sense is that they want to have a reason to enact more of the Patriot Act. They, they want the, mm. the Restrict Act. People have compared that to the Patriot Act 2.0. It's more similar to the Espionage Act. But that, that being said, that they want the digital privacy completely erased. That... That's what makes most sense to me in terms of where we are heading. We're heading towards a a digital currency, and regarding the the quantity over quality, I mean, just the press secretary. She's the worst I've ever seen. She was she was hired for her diversity characteristics, and it, it is harming America in so many different roles. And it's really a tragedy for people who work hard. The same with women that work hard in sports and they get, you know, pushed out by people who have a genetic advantage, a physiological advantage, men that are acting as women. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's just so much. The end goal is a one world government, though. That's definitely so. I don't know that that's <clears throat> what the oligarchs in the United States perceive, <clears throat> but it, it's opening up that possibility because. When people, there's no easier way to get a, a system replaced than to make everyone hate the current system. Yeah, I mean that's <clears throat> that's very true. And you know, it, interestingly enough, with this whole aspect from the one world government, um, 
Elon Musk had an interview with Tucker Carlson recently. And he was talking about how he was um, uh, at, at an event where Larry Page, you know, the, the founder of Google, um, was talking about AI and artificial intelligence. And, and Elon brought up his concerns about AI. And he was called a speciest, which apparently is ah. a, a racist against the human species. And uh, so so now it seems like, you know, regardless of what, whatever you, you, you say or do, if, if it's in opposition to uh, what's coming from or being promulgated from the left, then you are some sort of ist. You're either a racist, you're either specious, there's something going on. You're, you're, you know, there's always, or a bigot or whatever it may be, but there's always some, some term that's derogatory that's directed at that opposition. Right. Whenever you you raise a, a concern about anything that has that's based in reality and based in truth, and what we're seeing is that we're seeing, and this this kind of ties into maybe a, a, a mental health crisis in which I f- I feel like our country actually is is dealing with right now. Um, but you know we've got a mental health crisis. We don't focus enough on mental health. We focus more on self self uh, idol idolatry essentially. So so we have this idea of. We are going to affirm ourselves, and as long as we affirm ourselves and everyone around us affirms us, we're, we're like our own little god. And Elon Musk was talking about how artificial intelligence and this push from the government, from AI, potentially can become so embedded in our culture and society that it becomes a digital god. It becomes the new god. And so the left would love that because then all of a sudden all of the other religions, specifically Christian religion – which is the, the, the still the majority in, in this country and in, in Western culture, uh, it, it becomes eradicated. And, and now you have to have faith in something. So you're going to have faith in this artificial intelligence. But the problem with that is that, you know, if it becomes sentient and that's another that's a whole nother topic of conversation, I'm sure we can talk about later. Um, but anyone in opposition to this is is being labeled as, I mean, specious. Come on. It's not even it, that's a new word to me anyway. I, that's not my vernacular. I've never heard of it before. So we're, we're getting new words. We're getting new, new, new definitions of science. We're new biology. Apparently all of these different things are being made up out of pulled out of thin air. And we're supposed to, you know, people that are still based in reality are supposed to sit back and affirm it or, or, you know, it's either you conform to this or you are an outcast. Yeah. And the, the God of, liberalism and i hate to call it liberalism because classic liberalism is thomas jefferson it's really yeah. it's really leftism but their god right now is wokeness and this the ai movement the biggest threat in the short term right now that elon musk had pointed out in the interview is ai's ability to write persuasively and you could create an infinite amount of influencers, leftist influencers, who know exactly how to target the emotional strings of Gen Z, of the generation after them, Gen Alpha, and know what they're thinking and what works to persuade them towards this leftist agenda. And conservatives are going to have to compete in that realm and probably do the same thing, use AI in the opposite direction to persuade on behalf of American traditional values because We've got to compete. It's uh, we've been Obama in 2008 initially came out with an app that allowed them to target people on your phone who were most likely to vote. Call them first. Dems have always been ahead in technology until Trump used Cambridge Analytica. They were very angry about that, but he used data better than they did. And all of a sudden they're mad because he beat them at their own game. But with regards to all the wokeness, you talk about Amazon and our short-term memory and abstaining from these companies, it's really difficult because they're they're like the backbone of commerce in our country. It's kind of the same way, the, the way to overcome that is kind of the same way as what if assuming climate change were real. I don't think man-made climate change is real, but if it were real, humans are much better at adapting rather than mitigating use, rather than stopping our dependence on oil, we'll just build dams when the water rises. Yeah. And instead of stop using Amazon, we need good America first companies 
or they could even if they, even if they are foreign companies, companies that are not focused on a global tyranny that that they're not focused on uniting for a one world government in the way they operate their principles and their in their bylaws uh the that's the way to beat amazon is have companies that compete as opposed to just trying to abstain and you as consumers or because america is a consumer society as opposed to feeling like withdrawing from a drug just replacing it with another uh cons consuming or consumer friendly company and no no one is big has that money of amazon but there are a lot of local businesses there's there's a directory i can't think of its name but it 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 lists all of the america first companies in your local area yeah i've heard of that and and, and i think you know this is also an attack on on innovation um you know when you see when, when you see prosper you know pro when when when, in, when a culture is prosperous you are constantly seeing innovation and and i honestly feel like this is this is a direct attack what's going on is a direct attack on innovation because you know the less innovative we are the less competition there is and you know part of part of you know going back to climate change i mean in my opinion climate the climate will change tomorrow when the degrees differ from 10 degrees from from what they were today uh, that to me yeah. that's just you know it might rain that's climate change um you know and, and i think that's another word that's been because it's our apparently our language is very fluid these days. Uh, it's just another word for global warming. And and honestly, I mean, let's be real. We, we, we've had cycles for hundreds of thousands of years or however old you think the earth is. Um, I, I, we all you know have differences of opinions on that. I have my, my theory. Um, I go back to biblical perspective and I'm like, well, you know, OK, God, you know, a thousand years is a blink of an eye to God. So so maybe biblically. You know, the, the earth is actually more, you know, than just, you know, a few thousand years old. Maybe it actually is a million years old, depending on, you know, the depiction. And that's up to, you know, per perspective. But but going back to climate change and, and, you know, we've always innovated. So regardless of whatever we faced within our, our you know, our, our beginnings or origins, we have always been able to innovate in order to, you know, rise above whatever is coming at us at that time and if we don't have innovation within our our, our culture or within you know our 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 you know society then we're going to eventually collapse we're eventually going to start becoming more reliant on you know the government or whoever may be who says that they can you know take care of us and you know this if this occur if this you know natural disaster occurs or this catastrophe occurs or whatever it may be and i think that the government does want that they they do want us to be completely reliant i mean you go back to uh, even SELs in schools, which is just another name for critical race theory. So, so social equity learning, SELs and critical race theory literally are the same thing. You're teaching young children at a, at a very malleable you know, age where they're impressionable that they're at a disadvantage because of the color of their skin or they're at an advantage by the color of the skin or that they should be ashamed by the color of the skin. What you're realistically doing is you're teaching these children that they have to be reliant on the government because they're it's at a tragedy. an advantage. Yeah. It's it's terrible. And, and, and you know, unfortunately, before before 2020, uh, you know, I, I don't want to generalize completely, but before 2020, there were hundreds of thousands of parents that were none the wiser to it. Um, and we're we're, yeah. we're now kind of awake to all this. And, you know, I think that the government's main goal, obviously, is to have some some form of like what you're saying, a one world government where there is, you know, absolute power. And so the bigger question is, is how do we counter that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't know that it's ever it's at the forefront of the oligarchs of United States government of, of their mind that it's going it's a one world government it, that that's their goal. But the actions they're they're getting paid so well by the globalist, and it definitely is the case for some of them. And the biggest example is the George Soros district attorneys. You you cannot have a civil society. Where violent criminals are prioritized above non-violent, law-abiding law citizens, and I think the way you counter that is that you take control of the media. And I feel like what you're doing with this podcast, what what I do, it is the new media. I I don't think Elon Musk is the has the perfect intentions. I, I really like him a lot. I know he's a 
capitalist. Also, uh, I do believe he's a free speech advocate. Mm. And what he's done with Twitter, even if it's not perfect, he is allowing for the actual truth and not the globalist funded Marxist mainstream media to set the only narrative. And as rumble is getting bigger and hopefully Twitter will become more of a video platform. You know, there's lots of short videos that go viral, but I would like it to become a a platform where there's 20, 30 minute videos kind of like YouTube is and people to get news and that way, the, the key is to replace the mainstream media. That is one of the biggest factors. Mm-hmm. And as we see boomers die, as they age and die, I think that Generation X, Millennials, and Generation Z turn to more so to independent creators. And it will be upon us independent creators to to, to tell truth. And it's okay to be partisan as long as we're honest and we say this is you know i'm conservative i've got this bias i work for trump uh and we still report the news in a, in a fashion that is transparent I, th- I think that's the only way is transparent information yeah i i 100 agree with you and i think transparency is is huge and it's something that uh we don't put enough emphasis on um you know and, and that and that is from from both sides of the political spectrum i'm not just you know trying to to you know uh, stereotype one or the other here um because we in many instances we do we we have individuals that are we're electing an office based on you know what we've been told you know and then you know all of a sudden good intentions fall short rather quick and you know prime example uh attorney tim anderson delegate uh, tim anderson virginia beach advocated for uh, or to vote against red flag laws. And uh, as soon as he got into office, well, guess what he did? He, he ended up voting for, for stricter red flag laws and, and completely lost his base doing that. It wasn't necessarily his fault. Uh, he, he was essentially his, his colleagues were, were, you know, voting, you know, a certain way. And his one little vote, and according to him, his words was, you know, it's just my one vote's not going to make a difference here. But the problem is, is that it did make a difference to his base. It made a difference to everybody who was following him, everyone who had faith in them. And then what it did was it created this disgruntled, you know, f- feeling it's it's not just, you know, it's it's not just with with state level politics. This is goes all the way up to, to national policies, but there is this wave of disgruntlement across the, the entire country on both sides of the political spectrum because we're tired of it. We're tired of seeing these elected officials, people that we are voting in based on, you know, maybe they have a great voting record or maybe they've got some really good policies or maybe their core value systems align with ours every single time falling short without any kind of transparency or any kind of accountability. And uh, I, I really do think that is a huge problem that we're dealing with currently. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a problem where I've had to learn to guard my heart with the Republicans in Congress because one day they'll they'll support legislation that I'm a fan of, and the next day they will completely disappoint me. And this, I think that I go back and forth between seventy to ninety percent of Republicans are rhinos and i believe there should be term limits and it's another problem is that legislation is nuanced it's complicated and the media and it has to do with our attention spans i think everybody is guilty including myself of buying into it we go with the headline that says a person voted against raising spending or conservative did Well, naturally, conservatives want to spend less money, but if there's going to be money spent either way, it's either going to be on new public schools or it's going to be money for private education. Then if a conservative votes for more spending, it might sound bad in a headline, a news headline. This Republican voted to expand the budget. Well, if the Democrats were going to take the money or the Republicans had to take it, Maybe I'm not against it if the Republicans took it to have more private education, but 
it can sound bad if it's a single line. Oh, this Republican expanded the budget. Um, I, I feel like legislation is can get really nuanced. And I have a mm. coworker that will call. He'll call Congress and he'll say, "Hey, uh, some of the staffers, what do you know about this bill?" And they don't always have good information either. It's like they're the Republican Congress staffers. A lot of them are demoralized. They don't know the subtleties that is being placed in the bills, kind of like the um, the disinformation governance board. I forgot that woman's name. She it was defunded. All Republicans were were happy, like, oh, we defeated the social media agency that was going to police social media. That was completely false. It was snuck in. President Trump signed this in 2017, the CISA Act, mm. Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Administration, which allowed them to censor him. Their first act was, their first major act was saying that he allowed for, her, or he, he said bleach, injecting bleach might be a good idea, which was totally <laughs> false. He didn't, <laughs> yeah. he didn't say that, but... That legislation, people thought when we defeated the disinformation governance board and that crazy lady that it was over. But the truth was Republicans signed that bill. All of them did. They didn't know it. I think Paul Ryan snuck it in at 11.59 or maybe 12.30 a.m. the day the bill was signed. And you get these 5,000-page bills that nobody has time to read. Exactly. And on page 3,700, there's treason. It's like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. That, that and that exactly is is you know one of the issues that you know I, I honestly I don't know how how to address that I don't know how that could could be addressed because this is just dirty politics in my opinion I mean it's just you know it's 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 almost as if like you know there's a there's a back door uh, to to cheat every single time um, when it comes to you know some of these new policies and bills that are passed and individuals don't have the time to read like you said. Some of these reports are you know, five thousand pages. That's who who's going to be able, especially if you're, you know, can, you know, you're constantly being bombarded left and right by other things that are going on. How in the world do you do that? Like there, there's just no, there's no way humanly possible unless you were able to get some sort of magical ability to freeze time, <laughs> which well, that's yeah. not real. So you know, these are things that that we we have to figure out answers we have to figure out how do we fix this problem and you know to me uh well maybe in, a bill is a is let's see a bill is introduced and uh there's you know new policy that potentially is going to impact you know x y and z and you have uh and you have two months to read read over it and and before anything's passed you have two months problem with that is is that well what if it's something that's imperative and it has to be passed immediately well if it's that imperative and it has to be passed immediately, then it probably would have already been passed by now. I'm just, just throwing things out there. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this question either. I know that some states have went back to a single-issue bill, mm. and a bill cannot contain any amendment, amendments that do not pertain to that issue. And that's a good model. But on the budget side, when you're passing budget, that that's really where – the omnibus is where all of the bullcrap gets tossed in. There's a few other complex legislative processes at the federal level that revolve around the budget. And I feel like there's some other issues too that ha that allow for everything. And that's where the that's where the bad stuff gets snuck in. Now I know the part of the House rules that were negotiated with Kevin McCarthy and uh, who was, who was that guy from Florida that, that held out for so long? I like him a lot. Oh, Matt Gates. Yeah. Matt Gates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 48 hours to read a bill. Now, if you've got 4,000 pages, if you combine staffers, say you got 50 staffers, I guess that would be, let's say 10 staffers would be 400 pages. A hundred staffers will be 40. So 80 pages, per staffer over 48 hours. But if they actually do it and they're reading those 80 pages, 50 staffers for across a few offices, 
and they're all of good intent, then great. They might find this problematic legislation, but sadly, so many Republicans are funded by these globalists and yeah. the ESG companies and big pharma. I don't know exactly how many Republicans were funded by big pharma over these last two, 2022, 2020 cycles, but it was a lot. And that's the most depressing part are what we would think would be the people to defend us are swamp creatures. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, you got a bunch of squishes and, and the, the you know, a lot of uh, I've got some friends that are up in D.C. and and in work, you know, directly um, with you know some, some, some very prominent senators. I, I know Rob Whitman. One of, one of my friends works directly under Rob Whitman. And the problem is, is and, and this individual was not anticipating the ruthlessness of how these lobbyists go in on day one. Yeah. And you're getting you're getting lobbyists coming in. You're getting literally, you know, either monet, monetization bribes, you're getting blackmails, lobby, whatever. And it, it's a lot to take in and, and it changes your perspective on everything. And a lot of people, unfortunately, they fall short. They just they fall into this trap and uh, they get bought in by whoever it is that's that's offering the most incentive. And um they they end up becoming squish, you know. And good intentions again. You go in with good intentions, but good intentions fall short, and uh, you know it's a problem. Um, and you know I, I feel like we, there are ways to combat against that. Obviously, you know with with core values, and obviously putting emphasis on integrity. Um, but even so, we're we're we're, we're fallible, right? We're, so we're 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 prone to fallacy. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short, regardless, in some some aspect of our life, eventually. Uh, but how do you combat against this kind of stuff? I mean, that's a really really tough question, and um, and and I don't really know if there's a a, a finite answer here to say, well, you know, here's X, Y, and Z, and, and this is how you you. You, you, these are the tools that you can utilize when you are confronted with this, because there's always going to be a variable that you're just not anticipating. Yeah. I don't know if there's a finite answer either. I, I've heard I'm, I'm in favor of term limits, but I've heard people argue, well, why would you take your best lawmakers that are effective and, and hinder them? And that's a good argument, but at the same time, the less you have vested the more likely you are to act selflessly. That that's my opinion. Yeah, why not have a mentor program? I mean, look, look I, I get the the incentive of wanting to stay in in a, a, a specific position to gain, you know, a, a experience, wisdom, but also power over time. But why not have maybe you know a term limits with with a mentor type of program where essentially let's say somebody's phasing out and, and they phase out at a specific you know time that they've been in whatever position that they're in. And then they, they are given the opportunity to opt in to a mentorship program of which they train, you know, the, the, the next generation and they put in six months to a year, whatever it may be. And, you know, but then on the flip side of that, you could say, well, you've got somebody that's really bad and they're mentoring, you know, uh, another generation exactly the way that they were running, you know, doing things prior. And that could be really, really harmful too. Um, so maybe have something to counter that. Maybe have a, a mentorship program where you have someone in opposition and, you know, these, these, these up and coming individuals have to spend 50% of time with this, this mentor and 50% of, of their time with this mentor who are completely in opposition. And then that gives them the opportunity to decide, as to what they want to do or, or might make them more diverse. I don't, I don't know. There's just, you know, ideas, but ultimately at the end of the day, I think, and, and we're going on 43 minutes just to, to let you know, give you a heads up. Um, but, you know, ultimately I think at the end of the day, there are just a plethora of issues that are going on and it's very, very difficult to navigate through all of these different things without, you know, jumping down a rabbit hole and then, all of a sudden that you fall into, to, you know, 50 other rabbit holes on the way. Yeah, it really is. I would say the, the best thing to do is follow high level 
middle of the road people like Glenn Greenwald. Now he's he might be a little bit left, but he he's genuinely a centrist overall. People, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I follow Dr. Steve Turley. He's a bit more in depth. I think the what about Robert F. Kennedy? Yeah, I like him a lot, man. He's running for the uh, Democrat, Democrat ticket. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. He he speaks truth about the the vaccines. I'm I'm pro vaccine, but anti the mercury agent. They and I'm talking traditional vaccines, not right. mRNA. Mm-hmm. They they have a preservative in many, not all. Mm-hmm. many that, that is mercury based that is just not good for the human nervous system and it's good that he is a i hope i hope he does well i i think that i, I was looking at some poll numbers they hate biden but they're afraid to replace him because he has the incumbency advantage there's mm-hmm. there's really no one that's going to do better than him as much as he is hated i think it only of Democrats would be angry or upset if he is nominated again. Mm -hmm. Half of them. And that was like as of two weeks ago, the most recent poll. But uh, yeah, good, good information. I think is the, the, the best option. It's, it's good to watch creators that are entertaining, but also get the high end stuff, even if it's less flashy because politics it's kind of fun the 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 drama aspect of it. It's kind of oh, like yeah. theater, and that's entertaining. But fo- at least following one person that's really dives into policy yeah. is important. To, to, to me, I think what would really be interesting mentioning you know Robert Robert F Kennedy and 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 Donald Trump. Why not have a, a unity a unity ticket? I mean, we used to do that. We we used yeah. to have. A, a bi- like a bipartisan, you'd, you'd have either a conservative or Democratic president, and vice versa for for your your VP. You know, so I don't know. It's 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 a wild idea, but why with not? That. Yeah. Why not have a, a ticket with Trump and and Kennedy? I mean, just just think of that. You've got a Kennedy, and then you've got Donald Trump. I mean, I would love that. Honestly, that'd be wild. I, yeah, that'd be great. Honestly, I'd like to see Trump with Tulsi Gabbard as oh, his Tulsi, VP. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tulsi. I, I think Tulsi. You know, she's so she's very diverse. I mean, she she's she's you know all have been been you know out of the 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 the, the Democratic Party now for five minutes now at this at this rate. But but she is very centered. And honestly, for the independents. Uh, I think that she would have a really good draw with the independents and, and, and even maybe maybe some libertarians and, and then obviously fence sitters, um, you know, and one of the and that's actually something I talked about with with uh, with um, uh, Stephen when when he was on last and uh, we we talked about, you know, potential 2024 nominees. And, and, you know, I he threw around Trump. I threw around DeSantis and I said, look, DeSantis and Tulsi. I think would be a really good ticket. And, and I, I said, you know, X, Y, and Z as to why I'm, I'm really big on policy and accomplishments, um, you know, not just endeavors, but, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I want to win. And I, I, I am willing to potentially, it's a, it's a heart and head matter. My heart says Trump, my head says DeSantis. And, and I'm looking at it from a logistical standpoint of view in the polls, at least, you know, last time I checked with independence, DeSantis won in the polling, but overall Trump was way ahead. And I was like, you know, Trump love him or hate him. And and I love the guy, but he lost to Biden. And regardless of how you feel about elections, we always always had election integrity issues. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And uh, to the extent I'm not sure because I'm I'm just not privy to that inf- information. But sure. But you know, a lot of the candidates that Trump has has endorsed you know as of recently have not have had you know didn't do well i mean in the midterms and so i was looking at it from a logistics standpoint i was like i just want to win and i think most of america now you know conservative americans want to win because they see what they're losing and you know desantis i was hardcore on it and 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 recently not literally just within the past few days I, i flipped on on that and i said you know what i think DeSantis can have his limelight in 2028. Um, 
right now, I think Trump, it, 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 it's got to be it's got to be Trump. Uh, but what scares me about it is, you know, even though he is continually being attacked uh, by the media and and, you know, this this weaponry of, of you know, this 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 arsenal of, of just just unprecedented um, obstruction of justice going constantly at, at him, barraging him. Um, it helps him in the primaries. Absolutely. But, but, but the, the downside is that, and I think the, I think this is a plan. I think this is the whole plan. I, I really do. I, 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 I theorize that the left knows this because they want him to be, they want him to be the, the, the lead candidate here. They want him to be primaried and they want him to run because they think that he's the only person who can lose to Joe Biden. And, and that scares me. Yeah. You know, it scares me too, but I, I look at the whole picture DeSantis, I like him a lot. I think he's making a lot of mistakes recently. Oh, there's yeah. there's no way he's going to win the primary. He he might be better in the general. I honestly haven't looked at the general numbers, but the primary he doesn't stand a chance. Trump is at like 53%, he's at like 24% and he's getting worse with the recent Disney uh confrontation uh mm-hmm. with the thing with Trump, if he is going to win in 2024, and I, I worked for the Trump campaign in 2020. I was in Michigan. I was knocking doors. I've knocked like 20,000 doors over nine months. And what I learned was the election laws that were changed one month before the election, I think that had more to do with the outcome of the election than did some, you know, ballot miscounting or whatever. They, they literally said you could you submit ballots in states like Pennsylvania a week after election day, just things that are completely unconstitutional that was implemented by executive branch actors, secretaries of state, secretary, I think her last name was Benson in Michigan, in Arizona, in these swing states where Trump if you add up the votes Trump lost by, is 50,000 votes in the swing states. Not many at all. So I think the election law changes, personally, was the, the, the biggest thing. But if Trump is going to win in 2024, he has to ballot harvest in the states where it's legal. I think yeah. he, is, he is going to. He acknowledged that strategy yeah. and not get banned on social media. I don't think he will. I think January 6th, there were, you know— I, I think it was there were some conservatives that went overboard, and I condemn those that did that got violent. But I also think it was planted provocateurs as well. And you know, the Democrats, if Trump it loses, he's anti-elected. It'll be this the anti-Trump because mm-hmm. what the media portrays him as. But the number one most effective thing that loses elections is recessions now democrats prayed for a recession during trump and covid brought it it was it was it was horrible but trump's policies brought jobs back very quickly and it bled into biden saying he created jobs but it was really people getting back to their same old jobs i think that there's going to be a recession in the next 16 months if we have one Mm-hmm. And it's bad enough. I can I can see right now, like you saw the bank collapse in California. That I forgot. Yeah, the, the bank the bank run with Silvergate. Yeah, that was the second biggest financial collapse, banking collapse in yeah. the United States history. And then, we, and then we had actually a number three afterwards. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and it was an unprecedented move where the Fed said we're just going to eat up all of the the asset. We're going to account for and back all those assets if someone does if there is a bank run yeah well i mean you know socialism we we already hit we already hit a recession look by definition a recession used to be before it was changed was two negative quarters uh, uh, that's right quarters been a negative gdp so gross domestic product we've already been there and you're right we haven't gotten any better and so you know, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I do. We but, need worse, but because well, the issue, yeah. we don't have enough people. If we had enough, like America is facing an extreme population crisis, we're not having babies. 
If we yeah. had enough babies, we'd feel it a lot worse. But a recession, when there's already not enough people to fill the jobs, it doesn't hurt as much. But we need a, dep a depression to get. And I don't, I don't wish bad on people's families. But if one, if one does happen, it it will guarantee that Joe Biden will lose re-election if a yeah. bad, bad yeah. recession but, happens. But if it doesn't. My, my concern is is a lot of times what we're seeing specifically with with the RNC is where the money is going is not going towards the right things. A lot of times, you know, we, we need to be focusing on on the states that we need to win. We need to win Arizona. We That's need to win. We need to win Wisconsin. We, we there are certain states. I think there's like a, like three or four that we have to have. Um, and, and, and I know, I know Arizona and, and Wisconsin are, are two, if there's one more, I can't remember. It's not Pennsylvania, but you know, these are, are what I'm seeing is a lot of times like, so, so the DNC, they put all their money into what they want, what, whatever, whatever endeavor they have to move forward. They put all their money in, in there and they're, they're highly funded. I mean, you've got George Soros. You've got Bill Gates. You've got a ton of very wealthy individuals. That, that guy that was arrested was that crypto guy. I yeah. yeah, yeah. They're willing to put the money in where it needs to go, and and that that shows. And and in the mid it, the the midterms that the you know the the midterms that we had this past November in 2022, it showed because you had candidates that were terrible quality candidates on, on right. both sides of the spectrum, but. Right. They still won. We were we were expecting to have a red wave, and the money wasn't going in to these candidates that we were that had been endorsed that were running in our districts. And because of that, we lost, and we lost a lot more than what we thought we would. And and that's to me highly concerning. It's like why are we not utilizing the money here accordingly to win these states that we have to win? Because there's some states you don't have to put emphasis on. Let's be real. You know, there are some states that you automatically know. They're, they're going to vote one way or the other, and that's just the way it is. But on these states that we have lost consistently on, again, Arizona and, and uh, Wisconsin and, and, and some of the others, we need to put more emphasis on that. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that makes me most angry at Mitch McConnell is that two, two things he did when – Blake Masters, the senator that was running in Arizona, that that was polling very well. Yep. He he said, "I will not commit to voting for Mitch McConnell as the leader of the Senate, the majority leader, yeah. if or, or minority leader, either way." And because of that, McConnell pulled the funding. the 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 House Speaker and the Senate leader or the House Minority Leader, whichever way it goes in the House, they have all of the funding that they can put into races or not put into races. And because McConnell was so power-hungry and he felt the threat of losing the leader seat, he chose to not fund Blake Masters. Yep. And that was a seat that, that, that Republicans lost. And he also chose to run ads against a highly favorable MAGA Republican in the state of Alaska. And this person was, this woman was polling better than Murkowski, but he ran ads against her. And that would have been someone that would have voted. I'm pretty sure Murkowski won again, but that would have been somebody that would have voted for the America first agenda. And it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And then Democrats, as much as they're, social values on you know, what defines a woman and what is justice and what is what it looks like to have equality and their the equity which is basically communism simplified all the things that they they fall short on they're they're intelligent and they're vicious they know how to they have a finite set of campaign resources mm -hmm. they know exactly the block to send their door knockers to collect ballots they know exactly what phone numbers to call to remind people to vote. They're they're very intelligent in terms of election efforts. And if Republicans don't admit that, if they don't admit conservatives that our enemy is formidable, 
then maybe we deserve to lose if we're a few if we yeah. refuse to look our enemy in the eye. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent agree. And I think I think there are a lot of Americans that feel exactly the same way. Um, and uh, hey, on that, I'm gonna I'm gonna close up because we're we're at sure. an hour, so we're a little bit over. But but honestly, I I I think you you nailed it right there. I mean, that is exactly my sentiment as well. And again, I think that's a lot of America right now. So uh, again, thank you so much, David. This is uh, Red Pill News Report on Instagram. It's Red Pill News Report. Um, the website's www.rhinostopper.com. And hey, man, I, I look forward to talking to you more in the future. I think it's awesome. You're growing, you know, and, and you're getting yourself out there. I mean, 234,000 followers is nothing to, uh, to, to just, you know, say, ah, oh, you know, no big deal. That's, that's a pretty big endeavor there. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for what you're doing. And I think you're doing a great job and I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks brother. It's a work each day. It's great talking to you. Yes, sir. You too. David, have a good one. You too. Yes, sir. Get ready to pay your dues